welcome to episode 13. It is the second nutrient nugget. We did vitamin A last week and today we begin our journey through the B vitamins. Before I get into beautiful vitamin B1, I want to start today with something valuable that I've experienced in my life or something new that has come into my space and helped me in whatever way. I think I will do this at the beginning of every podcast from now on, just a small, valuable or fun thing that has entered my life or even a thought or like a mind state or something like that. And yeah, I just think it would be fun, whether it's a movie that I've liked or something like that, just something that has brought me joy or brought me value or brought me lessons. So today, my thing that I'm bringing to the podcast is a movie that brought me joy and that is a new movie out by Will Smith called King Richard. It's a movie about Serena and Venus Williams, the tennis star sisters, uh, and just their story and the father's story. And it's just incredible, an incredible story from adversity to fame. And it follows just this family and the struggles of the black community. And it's just such an incredible movie. I felt like I was going to break down from the beginning and then at the end I did. And But it was beautiful. It wasn't a sad story. It was a gorgeous story and it brought me a lot of joy and it brought me a lot of reflection on the things that I'm grateful for in life and you know, looking at the way that a father and a mother can mold their children and it's just, it was a beautiful story. So if you haven't watched it, it's still out at the cinemas or I'm sure soon it'll be out on Netflix. So don't pass that one by. It's a gorgeous story. Anyways, let's get into today. I uh, have been really, really enjoying studying lately. There's so many interesting things and these nutrient nuggets are making me dive into each individual nutrient, obviously. But I haven't necessarily done that except for like back in semester two of my degree. And I'm usually looking at, you know, disease states and the nutrients will come into that. But I don't dive fully now into research just on one in particular nutrient. So this podcast is really helping me to learn. And this vitamin B1 is actually really interesting. You'll see anyways in yourself, but... I found it very, very interesting. It has a lot to do, I guess, with how we act when we're drunk, which is really funny, and just also beautiful metabolic processes. It helps us create our or turn our food into energy and metabolize the carbohydrates and the fats and and the proteins. So it's an awesome nutrient. So let's get into it. We'll cover the same structure as we did with vitamin A, where we follow the food sources and we look at the functions, deficiencies, the amounts that we need and all that kind of stuff. So let's start off with the food sources of thymine or vitamin B1. I'm just going to probably say thymine because it's easier. So thymine is one of the eight essential B vitamins. The names for the B vitamins go up to 12, like vitamin B12 and vitamin uh, B9 and things like that. But there's actually only eight of them because we're skipping 10, 11 four it's really weird but either way there's eight of them and vitamin b1 is present and found in a lot of plant and animal tissues but there are in particular animals and plants that it is higher in so when we look at our meat and our fish 
Uh, pork seems to be the highest serve. There's like 0.4 milligrams per serve of thymine in beef and uh, average kind of intake that you want is 1.1 milligrams. So you can see it's still not really that high. But yeah, uh, pork is the highest. You can find it in beef as well. There's no thymine in chicken. Fish, you've got tuna, trout, and salmon. There's our beautiful salmon again, always. Uh, And mussels are really high in it too, if you're into that, because I am not. Other than the meat sources, if we're looking at plant sources, we're looking more at our kind of whole grains, legumes, and beans. It's not so much in fruit and veg. There's not high contents in fruit and veg. So your whole grains, uh, your brown rice and your whole grain breads, they will have high amounts of thiamine. And also your black beans, your sunflower seeds, uh, your legumes, like your lentils and things like that, and your corn. Something I found really interesting just on the topic of the whole grains and the rice. And that is early on in the piece in 1800s, we started refining and polishing and milling rice and turning it into white rice instead of like the whole grain brown rice. And in 1881, there was this guy called Carl Wernicke, and he was discovering a bunch of symptoms that he hadn't seen before, and he named this disease Wernicke's encephalopathy, which is a friggin' mouthful. But anyways, he named all these symptoms, named this disease, and it turns out that these symptoms were because of a deficiency in thymine. And it took 60 years for them to realize this because the outer layer of rice has high levels of thiamine in it and whole grains have high levels of thiamine and they were refining this out. So 60 years later in the 1950s, the government started to enrich rice and wheat flour with thiamine. So it's really, it's really random. We just went this full circle. We started refining these foods and making them look prettier and making the processing of delivering and growing of them easier. And we lost all these beautiful nutrients. And instead of just returning back to whole food, we just started fortifying and enriching food with the vitamins, which is fine. It's like taking a supplement. It's still there. And now we don't have the occurrence of this Winnicky's encephalopathy. Um, I can't say it without laughing, but we, we, won't, we don't have the occurrence of these diseases anymore. So, but it's just an interesting fact. You know, we've done this a couple of times throughout history where we've changed something and realized that we're ruining food. We're ruining what nature gave us. It's already there in its natural form in high amounts but we ruin it and then we try and fix it after all these people get diseased and they die and then we just find more ways of processing food. And although the rice is now fortified and the wheat is now fortified with thymine, it still has other issues like um, being high glycemic index and things like that. So anyways, roundabout historical fact, I found it very interesting. But (laughs) let's get into the function of thymine. As I said before, it plays its most important role in energy function and carbohydrate metabolism. So if we can look physically 
Inside each of our cells, we have a thing called a mitochondria, which is basically called the powerhouse of our cell. And like, imagine the mitochondria as the heart of our body, because our cells have things called organelles, like our organs. So the mitochondria is the heart of the cell and it produces energy and thymine is needed inside that mitochondria and inside the cell because it's used in something called the Krebs cycle, which is basically a chemical reaction in how our body creates energy. So in essence, in an easy overall way, thymine helps us turn our carbohydrates into energy. Without it, we wouldn't be able to turn our body into energy and we wouldn't be able to break down uh, our food into that ATP, which is our form of energy. So there can be issues regarding that as well. If we don't have enough and we can't break down the food and turn it into energy, obviously we need energy and there is like neurological, cardiovascular and other issues that can arise. And although deficiencies are pretty rare these days due to the fortification of foods and whatnot, there is actually quite a large amount of things that increase the demand. And the main thing is alcoholism and alcohol abuse. Alcohol stops the absorption of thymine through the gut. So you can eat it, but it's just not getting through and it just gets excreted through your urine. So with the alcohol abuse, it's so interesting. This is really a cool part of what I was studying today is that a number of the neuropsychiatric conditions that are common in alcohol patients are actually directly attributed to vitamin B1 deficiency. When alcoholics are trying to overcome their addiction and get off alcohol, they prescribe daily supplementation of vitamin B1 because it helps with the alcohol withdrawal symptoms. And the whole alcohol withdrawal syndrome is really because the body is deficient of vitamin B1. There's other things going on as well. It doesn't completely stop it, but it takes a huge part in it. And it's interesting when we look in a second in the deficiencies, we'll see that even like memory loss and things that we experience just generally, if we go out and get drunk, don't have to be an alcoholic, but experiencing the memory loss, like that is related to vitamin B1 depletion. It's so interesting, which is really cool. It's, you know, I've always wondered like, what happens when I get drunk? Not that I do it often, but what happens when we get drunk as humans? throwing myself under the bus but yeah we lose our memory we have all these you know uncontrolled body movements so we're just running around falling into walls I don't get <laughs> I don't get that drunk but um anyways so what other increased demands are there there is a couple of other things which is reduced gastrointestinal absorption due to disease or surgery so obviously we have that reduced absorption due to alcohol but you can have that because of disease or surgery like ulcerative colitis or anything like that we have increased needs when we're pregnant or lactating other things like renal failure because a lot of the the vitamin is water soluble meaning that it can enter in and out of the urine and sometimes if we have renal failure we get rid of more than what we need in terms of water, urine and water soluble vitamins. Also advanced age, diabetes, mellitus and any other critical illness. 
So let's have a look at the deficiency symptoms and issues and disorders because they are quite interesting. So one is called Wernicke Korsakoff. So it's actually two names of two guys that discovered symptoms and areas in this, which is what we we're speaking about before in that 1880 to 1950 period. But these, this disease of deficiency of B1 can affect the nervous system, cause like visual impairments, a lack of muscle coordination, mental decline, uh, and a bit of memory loss. And that was Winicky. He was looking at those symptoms. The other guy, Korsakoff, he was finding a permanent impairment of memory function. And this is you know, a bit more dire obviously in terms of that it's permanent and people that weren't getting their vitamin b1 intake just permanently had memory function loss which is really really sad but you know as i said as we've developed and we've realized these things and we've fixed them they don't happen anymore which is great uh, the other one is called beriberi which is an accumulation of lactic acid so it is a result of not being able to turn the food into energy. As I said, vitamin B1 plays a role in that Krebs cycle and it turns lactate into pyruvate. But when we don't have that, the lactate stays and it yeah causes this lactic acidosis, which can be systemic and it can cause effects to the brain structure and cause neurological abnormalities. So things like have been noted that are like hearing loss, eye dysfunction, uh, gait, which is kind of like a funny walking because there's issues going on in the, in the central nervous system, inability to concentrate, confusion, mental change and uh, psychosis. So super intense. But those levels of deficiencies are very rare now. We have inadequate intake a fair amount of our nutrients because we just have so much processed food. But that's more the focus is inadequate intake to sufficiently fuel the body and turn things into energy. We don't get deficient enough anymore often that we get to these extremely serious issues. There's also no upper limit to vitamin B1 which means there's no amount that has been dictated that will cause adverse effects, which is awesome. There's certain nutrients that if you have too much of, they can actually cause negative effects, like I said, with vitamin A. But vitamin B1, no one's found that yet. There was things where people had them intravenously and had like a anaphylactic reaction and died. So that's a little bit intense, but that's in hospitals getting an inappropriate amount of nutrients injected in your veins. So completely different. But in terms of general food intake, you can't have too much vitamin B1 where it badly affects you. You might be taking supplements and you just decide to take heaps, but you're honestly just going to urinate it out. If you have too much and your body, your body will recognize that, it monitors the serum blood levels of nutrients and acts your kidneys accordingly to excrete it in your urine or break it down or whatever else. So you can't have too much. Your body regulates it and it'll take what it needs. The recommended amount to finish off for our little 20-minute nutrient nugget, I'm trying to squish it in. I hope I'm not talking too fast. 
there's just so much interesting shit going on with nutrients that I want to dive into. There's studies with B1 and but I remind myself we got to keep it short, simple. So let's have a look just quickly at the recommended amounts uh, for men and women. When I say the recommended amounts, I'm always doing adults. There can be different ranges from like 18 to 25 and then 30 and then 40, but I'm just doing like a general recommended middle-aged adult area. So men, it's 1.2 milligrams per day and women, it's 1.1. During pregnancy, the requirements go up to 1.4 milligrams. So you can have these supplements. Most supplements contain about 1.5, which is obviously above that recommended amount, but there is no upper limit. So that's fine. And yeah, your food will contain, as I said, with the pork, it's like 0.4 milligrams. Some cereals and breads contain 1.2. So have a bowl of cereal and meet your daily requirements of vitamin B1 because it's it's fortified, so it's like a supplement in itself. So that's very interesting um, to me. To me, I always do this. I'm like, that's very interesting. Like I'm just telling you guys what's interesting and what's not. But anyways, just remember vitamin B1 will deplete if you're drinking ridiculous amounts of alcohol. If you're losing your memory have a vitamin B1. Uh, if you're not feeling like you're producing enough energy, have a vitamin B1. It is it is a crucial nutrient for our mitochondria and mitochondria health is uh, super, super crucial to our body functioning and our cell functioning for the rest of our life. I'll do a whole episode on mitochondria one time because they're really, really cool. I just need to dive a little bit into that. Thank you for listening to the Nutrient Nugget today. The next one will be on vitamin B2. Don't forget as well, podcasts every Monday and every Thursday. So Thursday, there will be another podcast uploaded. Wait for it. Check it out. I'll see you guys then. See you later.